0: You know those things that <laughs> that sound good on paper. Uh, before you actually get to them, it was uh, we were talking about. We're going to do three services at Virtuary. This is going to be so fun, Julie. What if we like were in the worship band on that first Sunday with three services? And <laughs> I have my, my things set at that chair right there, optimistically as if I'm actually going to get to sit there at all today. Right? So it's like. Um, <laughs> It's good. It has been a beautiful morning so far. It's like all the insecurities and all those things. I stayed awake in bed last night going, did we make it clear enough? Do people know what time to show up? And then at 8.30, there were people here. So that was like, yeah. <laughs> woohoo, <laughs> this is good. Um, we are off to a roaring start. And um, it is just, it is so good. Uh, I am so proud of this church. I'm so proud of um, the way that as a community we've said it. We're going to take seriously uh, the opportunity that we have to, to show people that God cares about them. Uh, to invite people to, to, to journey with us. And um, really, that's the, the point of uh, this whole series, is that we are connected, uh, that we are not supposed to journey alone, that we were never intended to walk alone. The, the problem is, you know, like the big pre- like kind of prevailing issue with this whole series is that uh, we can talk about connection, but then we can go about living lives that, that are very isolated, right? That we can understand mentally that, that we're not meant to journey alone, but then we often go out and we live as if we're alone. I wrote in my notes here, I said, we can do better. Right? We can do better than that. Uh, we and We can get there. Uh, we can build or continue to build Bertridge on this idea of connection, that, that we believe that the God who said, I, I will be with you always, that said that, look, I'm, we're, we're connected. Um, the God that invites us to be in connection and relationship with each other actually meant it. Uh, and is inviting us to, to learn what connection, what healthy connection Looks like, And so over the last two weeks, as we've kind of been in this series talking about Connected, it's, uh, we started with, with Paul talking about stories. And as he's talking and investing in Timothy, saying, this is, this is what life is supposed to look like. This is what Christian community is supposed to look like. As Timothy, you now go out and, and begin to lead Christian communities on your own to realize that this statement is true, that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst, That We attribute that quote to Paul, but we could attribute it to ourselves as well to to take claim to this idea that that Christ Jesus came with a purpose, right? That he taught and he walked and he dwelt among us, but but his mission, his purpose was to save sinners, of which Paul claims to be the worst. I think we could all claim to be in good company among the worst, right? But Jesus, as Paul tells his story, as Paul leverages his story in some ways to help Timothy understand the way that God gets a hold of our lives, Paul says, Jesus saw beyond what was and then he poured out his grace and his mercy and his strength and Paul says my transformed life right is me putting my words in Paul's mouth my transformed life became God's billboard in this unbelieving world saying that our stories have purpose right we move from shame about the past shame about the mistakes that we've made to saying I'm going to give this to God and then God's going to take that and we can receive it back as as not a shame-filled story but as a testimony as a billboard for God's transforming work saying in this world that, that's skeptical, in this world that, that longs for things to be better, for improvement, for progress, that we can say, look what God did. And then last week, we talked about the apple, if you were with us, and we talked about how there's incredible potential. And potential can be a frustrating thing because potential unrealized is is really sad. And we can believe that this this apple that we had last week was could have incredible potential, that there's a, I think we, it even came up in our small group, an apple pandemic, right? That this apple, like the apples are just going to like spread across the globe. If every apple reaches its full potential, we'd be having a serious apple, a global health, global apple crisis. But the master, the master works through community to help us move from potential to reality. That if we can believe that the apple has potential, then we can look in the mirror and believe that we have potential. God has poured out into us some incredible things that he wants to use to make a difference in in our lives and in the world around us. And the master works through community to help us move from potential to reality. And then this morning, as we kind of close out this series, this this three-step series that we've been walking through under the banner of Connected, we read this as Paul is writing with a deep sense of urgency to Timothy, a deep sense of you have to understand this. Paul says this and in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He begins this, this kind of arc of the conversation. He says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You then, my son, be strong. And the problem is, because we're wired the way we are, because we're human beings, we hear things like, be strong, and we think, be strong. I have to find in myself strength to kind of like stiffen my backbone and, and stand against the resistance and, 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 and kind of push my way forward. That we read Be Strong as strength that we develop for ourselves or, or maybe that we discover in ourselves. We just have to like, actualize that strength that we find in us. And these things sound good because culturally, those are the kinds of things that we celebrate. Culturally, those are the kinds of conversations. Those, those are the things that happen in hero movies. Those are the things that happen when we talk about good stories. It's about people finding within themselves some strength they didn't know they had. And so we're a product of that. That's the stew that we swim in. And it all sounds good, but fully realized, it's poison. Right? Fully realized, because if it's about us, and if it's about us finding our strength, if it's about us pulling ourselves up and strengthening ourselves and discovering in ourselves this, this strength that sounds so good, right? The seed sounds so good, but the, the fruit is poison. Fully realized, it's poison, because it leads to things like competition. Right? Because if it's in us, if we hear Paul speaking on behalf of God to Timothy saying, Be strong. And we hear that and we say, that means I have to be strong, but then how do I know that I'm being strong? The only way that we can measure our strength is, is by looking at other people and saying, am I stronger than the person to my right? Am I stronger than the person to my left? And the only way that, that we can understand strength is by competition. Or maybe we say, does this make me feel strong? Does this feel right? Does this make it feel like I'm moving forward?" And so we end up in a situation where maybe it's not competition or not only competition, but we become driven by our feelings. We become, become a person that's just looking for the next solution, the next thing that will make us feel stronger or make us feel like we're making progress because we have to find what works for us, right? These are all phrases that we use culturally all the time, which leads us, To a situation where we find ourselves moving from one solution to another right not the real solution but one solution to another without learning our lesson which means that we end up living lives marked by drama because we leave a mess and a wasteland of one situation one relationship one context after another after another after another trying to find our way which ultimately all of those things lead to a word that's called isolation when we're called to connection, when we're invited to be connected to each other, when we're invited to be connected with God, when we try and make it about ourselves or we we take the, the mission that has been laid out clearly for us and we turn it into something that's about us, it leaves us isolated. And so if there's the poison, we need the antidote. The antidote is connection, which starts with us having a better definition of strength. Right? It starts with us having a better definition of what strength actually looks like. And, and, the, and the solution is actually right in this first sentence of, of 1 Timothy chapter 2. It says, you then, my son, be strong. And there's not a period there. The sentence doesn't end there. It says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, it's not in you, it's not of you, it's not from you that your strength comes. Right? That, that you're going to experience difficult things actually Paul as he's writing with this sense of urgency talking to this young leader saying Timothy just remember remember these key things and he starts and makes this significant emphasis on strength which means that Timothy if he's reading carefully should say if I need to be strong that means I'm going to face resistance <laughs> right if you kind of read between the lines here and Paul says, make sure you understand you need to be strong, but make sure you understand that, that your strength isn't in you. It's in the God who called you, it's in the God who pours himself out for you. It's not in you, it's in Jesus. And he continues in verse 2 And these things, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul is saying, look, it's actually, if it's not about me. That's what Paul's saying. It's like, look, it's, it's not about me being strong. Timothy, it's not just about you being strong. It's about the, he's, he describes four generations of multiplication of discipleship. It's Paul, generation one, saying, Timothy, remember what I taught you, generation two, or Paul, generation one, Timothy, generation two, and then trust it to reliable men, generation three, Who will teach it to others generation four that that it actually multiplies that it's not just a matter of of isolation but it actually leads to this kind of like viral outbreaking of of the move of god among people as people get connected with each other and get connected with the god who calls them forward you talk about this global apple pandemic that we talked about last week this is what that looks like when timothy or when paul is saying look if i was the seed Right? And then the fruit that, that grows on my tree is Timothy, but then Timothy has fruit that grows on his tree, and then th- that fruit bears fruit, and it's this incredible multiplication movement that's happening. And then Paul, as he continues to describe what strength looks like, first of all, it looks like multiplication, not isolation. It doesn't even look like addition. It looks like multiplication. What strength looks like, he says this, and starting in verse, in verse 3, he says, now join with me in suffering. Right? We would love it if he said, join with me in winning in being comfortable, in in finding yourself successful and and well-fed and and warm and all those kinds of things. But Paul says, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Strength. Strength looks like focus, right? Strength looks like this, this soldier who's been, who's had the mission made clear for them that says, if that's what I'm called to That's what I'm going to do, and I'm going to chase after that thing. I will not let go. I will not give up, even if it costs me, even if it means that I suffer. I will not quit because the mission, I understand what's at stake, and I understand that my commanding officer has called me to this thing. And so this soldier, instead of getting caught up in drama, this soldier, instead of getting caught up in all these civilian affairs, says, I'm going to please my commanding officer. I'm going to lean in and chase after the thing that that my commanding officer has called me to lean in on, and I'm going to focus on that recognizing that my suffering, that my, that my fighting, that my pushing, that my, my life has purpose, and I'm willing to put it all on the line. Verse 5, similarly, if we didn't get it with, with a soldier, right? not all of us are going to like, get the same metaphor. And so Paul just kind of like, stacks them on top of each other, which actually like, is, is not always the best way to communicate these mixed metaphors. Paul says, look, it's like a soldier. or Well, if that's not clear enough, let's talk about an athlete. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. An athlete one who, who competes within a specific game or within a specific competition is, 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 is designed or is, is understood as this is strength and training applied within specific parameters, right? Strength and training applied within specific parameters. We all know people who are naturally athletic, right? We know people who are naturally good at sports, but they don't get to just play whatever sport. If they're playing a game, they have to play the game that's in front of them. Right, there are specific rules that if you're playing football, you play by football rules. If you're playing soccer, you play by soccer rules. If you're playing basketball, you play by basketball rules. If you're running a race, you run within the lane that's been marked out for that race to, to run on. That it's not just a matter of being strong. It's not just a matter of being an athlete. It's also operating within the parameters that have been established. That it's strength and training applied within specific parameters. The hardworking farmer, verse 6, should be the first to receive a share of the crops And verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. This, by the way, is not Paul saying, Timothy, think about it and come up with an answer for yourself. Right? Again, this could be one of those moments where we make it about ourselves, where we make it about what we think is true or what we think should be true. He says, reflect on what I'm saying. Timothy, listen to what I'm saying, but don't just listen to me. Listen to God speaking through me. For the Lord... Will give you insight into all of this this is not just a think about it conversation this is a use this as the framework as the as the kind of raw materials to reflect on to let god speak to you through in our small groups we have a question that we ask and if you gather and you, you take us up on this invitation that one of the questions in our message-based small groups is what's the holy spirit saying to you while you were listening to the sermon, while you were reflecting on the sermon, while you were spending time studying the text that the sermon was based on, what was God saying? And that question isn't a question of, what do I think this means? Or what do I, I want to talk about? It's a question of, what is God teaching you? It's a question that has this sense of expectation that if God says he's going to speak through his word, that we should take him seriously and listen when he speaks. Right? One of the skills of, of a, an effective, growing Christian life is to listen to God speak and then respond in obedience to it. So Paul says, don't just think about what I've said. Don't just reflect on it and try and come up with your own answer, but listen to God speak as I speak. So the question is how? As Timothy is invited to reflect as as Paul is saying, don't just think about it, let God speak. Paul says, let me give you a little bit of a framework for your reflection says, remember, verse 8, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Paul says, my life has become quite simple. My life is ordered around one specific thing. It's this Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again, who has made a way for me, that invited me to follow after him as his disciple, to To invest in the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I find my meaning and my purpose in exactly what God has invited me to be a part of. This is my gospel. This is my specific set of good news. This is the thing that I'm building my life on. I don't care what my circumstances look like. Right? Paul writing in chains. Paul writing after being beaten talking about all the things that he's endured. He says for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But then Paul speaks this statement that gives such beautiful perspective to to, to what Paul has experienced. He said but I may be chained, but God's word is not chained, right? I may be chained. My circumstances might be un, like, unfriendly. My circumstances might not be what I signed up for, might not be what I want. My circumstances might be pretty bad. And yet, and yet God continues to speak. Yet God continues to move forward. Yet God continues to speak through my life, even as I suffer, that God's word is not chained. And Paul says, therefore, Right? Therefore, my life has meaning. Therefore, even my suffering has meaning. Therefore, the things that God has called me to have meaning. So, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, I've learned that it's not about me. I've learned that it's not about my strength. It's not about my glory. It's not about my reputation. It's not about any of those things. It's about God. It's about God at work in my life. It's about God working through my life to impact the next person and the next person and the next person to, to watch this thing take root and to bear fruit across the globe. Paul says, I find my value, I find my identity in being part of the mission of God, helping as many obtain the salvation as in Christ Jesus as possible for God's eternal glory. And then Paul says this, as he's giving Timothy his framework. He says this, here's a trustworthy saying, this, this trustworthy statement, which, which is first of all true and secondly worth being trusted, right? It's it's true and, and it's worth trusting. And it reveals God's consistency. That there's these three promises that are obvious and then there's one warning that are in these, these four statements, but it's this idea that we're called to apply the strength of Christ with confidence because God is not going to change, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that, that the rules aren't going to change, that, that who God is, and, is is not going to change, that, that what God says about you is true and that circumstances will not change that. starts with this, if we died with him, we will also live with him. That this is good news, right? This is a promise that for Paul as he's facing death, as Paul as he's, he's lived a life of I have to die to myself and then I now find life in Christ. That if we died with him, we will also live with him. Verse 12, if we endure, right? If we deal well in the midst of suffering, if we struggle, if we hold on to the right things and let go of the things that are killing us and, and hold on to Jesus Christ and chase after him, if we endure, regardless of the circumstances, right? Regardless of what might come our way, if we endure, we will also reign with him. What a beautiful reversal from, from enduring and surviving and struggling to this is what thriving looks like. This is what reigning with Christ looks like. And then the warning, if we disown a him, he will also disown. Us. this is not paul trying to scare timothy this is not paul making up kind of this this boogeyman reality that says look timothy if you don't get it right you're going to like be in big trouble that, that christ is going to disown you because in matthew 10 chapter or matthew chapter 10 verse 33 jesus says this but whoever disowns me before others i will disown before my father in heaven and that is a terrifying statement right that is a terrifying reality and this is paul saying remember what's at stake remember the personal responsibility that you have remember 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 but in the midst of that warning, in the midst of that chilling reality, there's this beautiful promise. There's a beautiful promise that disowning doesn't just happen, right? That we don't wake up one morning and God has all of a sudden changed his mind about us, right? For some of us, we've had conversations where we're we're worried that we're not sure that God even cares about us anymore, that we've maybe made one mistake too many, that, that God has given up on us, that his forgiveness just doesn't extend as far as we've walked. And yet, and yet, there's specific parameters for disowning, right? There's specific parameters for what that actually looks like. It doesn't just happen that we can be confident that our mistakes and our failures and the times when we're faithless and all those kinds of things do not impact the relationship that you have with God, that we can have confidence in God. Verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. Isn't that a good word? Isn't that a beautiful promise? Isn't that something worth building our lives on? That that even when we mess up, even when we don't get it right, even in those moments where we're tempted to buy the lie that says, You made one mistake too many, you hear the the, the whispers in our ear that say, Look, you, you just you're just not gonna get it right. God could never love you. Look at the mess that you've made. When we're faithless, he's faithful. He does not change, he does not disown himself. This is not a warning against faithlessness. This is a promise that in the midst of our, of our weakness, in the midst of our frailty, that, that God is with us, that God is moving us forward, that he remains faithful because that's who he is, that who we are and the mistakes that we make do nothing to change who God is, that our hope, that our hope for eternity, right? Not just for right now, but our hope for eternity is rooted in God's unchanging nature, that we can have confidence that the rules are not going to change. We can have confidence that God's not going to decide some future, some future date that what we did is not good enough, that the rules are different, and we're not, we're not able to, to make a way forward, that our hope is built on this God's unchanging nature, and so we're called to strength. The same, the same invitation, the same call that Timothy spoke to, or that Paul spoke to Timothy, echoes today that the reason we can listen to God speak through his, through his word is that his word does not change, that his voice does not change, that, that what he calls us to does not change, and we are called to strength, which, which means that we, we get connected and we stay connected in Christ, that strength is found in connection. And it starts with this: that Christian connection creates community. Christian connection creates community. Didn't mean to have three C's like that, but it sure sounds good that way, doesn't it? They have the um, Christian connection creates community that that we move and we make this shift as we, we as we as we really lean into connection, as we really allow God to speak what He wants for us, what what He's inviting us to. That that we make this shift from from strangers or maybe competitors to fellow travelers that we make this shift that says it's actually not about the competition, it's actually not even about whether or not I'm comfortable approaching or connecting with this other person, that with Christ at the center of our connection, with Christ at the center of our community, that, that we get connected with each other because we're chasing after the same thing, and that thing that's at the center of our lives, the thing that's at the center of our community is the glue that will hold us together, is the thing that defines our community, and it moves us from chasing after competition to chasing after Christ, which means that we have, we're fellow travelers. And it looks like welcoming hospitality and it's an invitation to community that when, if this is your first time, here's a promise that we'll make at, at Birchridge Community Church that we're not just inviting you to, to worship with us or to be in this worship service. We're inviting you to be a part of our community. We're inviting you to join us in small groups. We're inviting you to, to get to know us, to become part of this fellowship, to, to become part of what God is doing here that we're inviting you to connection, not just attendance or participation to be a part of this community that means that we don't see people as strangers or competitors we see people as fellow travelers christian connection creates community christian connection defines community that means that then we start talking about what the parameters are what the what the rules are that that we move from being driven by feelings or by impulse to to purposeful progress Right, this looks like having appropriate guardrails in our lives to recognize that we're called to a specific kind of thing, that we're, that we're called to a particular bullseye, that, that we're called to become disciples, and we're called to help other people become disciples, to, to this four-generation thing that Paul is describing. The beautiful thing about guardrails is while they restrict our options, right, while they, well, they, they make it so we, we can't just kind of go wherever we want, it also gives us safety. It gives us safety if we've ever driven on a, on a road that is a little treacherous that has a, a, a drop-off on one side or the other and we're driving and it's like, I don't even want to look out, out, out one side of the window because I'm just not sure I like what the side of the road looks like. There's something about having the guardrail. Right? There's something about having the guardrail that you're not driving and riding along the guardrail, but knowing that it's there, knowing that there's something that's going to keep you from flying off the edge of the road into some ravine, there is peace that comes with that. It, it defines community, that, that it gives us a chance to move forward with confidence even in the treacherous parts of the journey, even in those moments where it's like if I turn one wrong direction that, that there is this kind of goalie on the other side we don't have to be afraid because the guardrails are there. And it's boundary lines which are not designed to keep people out but to clearly define the community. And this, this is the footprint of Birchridge Community Church this is the footprint of what it looks like for us to, to follow faithfully on uh, building on the foundation that God has created for us. Those are the boundary lines and it's not to keep people out but it's to clearly define this community. Right, it's not that we're playing referee or saying this is out of bounds, not out of bounds. It's saying this is who we are. Right? This is the foundation that God has laid for us. And so we will build on that foundation. Boundary lines, not to keep people out, but to clearly define the community, to clearly understand what it is and who it is that we're called to be. Christian connection defines community. Christian connection focuses community. This is that shift that's, that's a move from being a civilian with, with kind of like an observing role to a soldier on mission. This is a shift that says we're going to be focused on the thing that God has laid in front of us. We're going to focus our efforts. We're going to focus our energy. We're going to focus our lives on the things that actually matter. We talked a few weeks ago about this concept of active faith where we say it's not just about belief. It's about us applying faith to the act of living, that we're called to a way of living. Christian connection focuses community on the mission. It focuses community on the bullseye, on the way of living as a soldier on mission, as a soldier who recognizes the stakes, who's willing to suffer for the cause, who's willing to, to lean in when it might be easier to lean out. Christian connection focuses community. Christian connection multiplies community. The system that Jesus Christ established on earth. The system that was established through Jesus' life as he, as he sent out his disciples, as he invested in them and, and sent them out was, was designed for multiplication, right? Paul describes not addition, not, not isolation, not addition, but, but multiplication. Paul's saying, what does it look like? For Paul to speak to Timothy and now there's two connecting points and then he says now Timothy what if now you branch out and as, as you raise up others as you teach others as you teach others to be disciples and do what you do that now there's now there's multiple connections and then as they raise up others as they they entrust what you've taught them to other people that all of a sudden we move from from one connection for people to the gospel and Paul to to an exponential increase in the connecting points for people in, in the world around that 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 Christian connection, the, the connection that we have through Christ multiplies connecting points, right? It multiplies community. It gives people more and more and more chances than, than just Paul on his own walking and, and doing ministry. Paul saying, Timothy, and then Timothy, those that you're going to invest in and those that are going to invest in there. And then there's fruit and there's fruit and there's fruit. There's, there's all these connecting points, that Christian connection, the connection that's, that's faithful to the mission that Christ has invited us into multiplies opportunity for people to connect it doesn't lead to isolation and that's a that's good news we move from isolation to multiplication and so this morning we're talking about being strong we're talking about being strong not just as individuals but in connection and so we say what does a strong community look like or what what are the building blocks of a strong community the building blocks of a strong community are are strong people right? People who are strong. And the key is, is in Christ, not strong on their own. This, this, this gathered body of people connected to God and connected to each other. And there's three simple invitations, three simple things that we need to process. The first is to remember. That we have to remember the price that was paid for us. That when we're tempted to declare ourselves as unworthy of value, when we're tempted to declare ourselves as, as someone who God does not love, as as someone who, who's far from God, that, that God just wouldn't, wouldn't want to spend any time with. Remember Christ's sacrifice for you. That God loved you so much that he sent his son to live and die for you, to make a way for you. When you feel worthless, remember the price that was paid for you. Remember Christ's sacrifice. Remember Christ's sacrifice that makes a way for us, that, that invites us into mission, that, that gives us this gospel for which we live. Right, this foundation for which we op- the, on which we operate. Christ's sacrifice. Remember Christ's sacrifice. Remember that God does not change. This unchanging God that invites us forward, that we don't have to live in fear that God's going to change his mind about us. That somehow that maybe we thought we were okay and then maybe God's changed his mind that we're starting to buy into that lie. Remember. And then trust. And Paul lays out these just trustworthy statements. He says, if we died with him, we also live with him which means our story moves from death to life, not the other way around, right? It's not life, and then we live in fear of death. It's we have died in Christ, and we will live in him, that, that our story looks radically different, that is backwards compared to anything else that we might imagine, that we move from death to life, not the other way around. If we endure, we'll also reign with him, that, that it's about more than our present circumstances, about more than whatever it is that we're facing in this moment, that, that we endure, that we struggle sometimes, and we try and make sense of things, but we do that for a purpose, that if we endure, we'll reign with him. If if we disown him, he'll also disown us, that there's personal responsibility, but there's confidence that that God plays fair. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. In other words, the rules aren't going to change. You don't have to live in fear that that God's somehow going to wake up one morning and, and have a different set of character traits, that he's going to operate in a different kind of way that we have to guess what God is up to. We can listen to God speak through his word and believe that the same God who speaks through his word and spoke through his word continues to speak to us, that the rules aren't going to change in the middle of the game. So we remember, we trust, and we stay strong. And that looks like staying in community. Right? That looks like staying strong regardless of circumstances. That, that community, that connection helps us remember what's true, helps us make sense of our stories. I hope for those of you who are taking us up on small groups that you're experiencing some of this, where all of a sudden you start to realize that, that the people that you're in community with are helping you make sense of life more than maybe what you would on your own. That community helps us remember what's true, helps us make sense of our stories. We have these moments of connection with each other where we start to realize that that God is operating in a consistent way in and through our lives. That we remember in community, we remember who we are and what God has done and is doing. We stay committed to God and to each other. So we we stay strong in community, we stay strong regardless of circumstances. Strong. Strength. To uh, to talk about a better definition of strength as Paul is painting this picture of what Timothy's called to, he says, you're going to be strong, you need to be strong. Because strong is potential, right? We talked potential last week. Strong is potential applied to resistance, right? Strength matters when there is resistance. Strength only matters when there's resistance. Otherwise, it's just potential. But when there's resistance, both internal, right? It's it's, it's the stuff we're holding on to, the internal resistance, the things that we'd rather not let go of, or the external, the, the persecution, the suffering, the struggling, all those kinds of things that come our way strong is potential applied to resistance which means that we should expect and we should embrace resistance as an opportunity to see christ's strength in us that we should not be surprised when we struggle we should not be surprised when we suffer we should not be surprised when we're called to endurance but we should celebrate not necessarily the, the struggle not the, the pain and the, and the mess that comes along with that but we should celebrate that when we've reached the end of ourselves, that we can begin to see God at work in us and through us. Be strong. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for this reminder. God, thank you that you speak in consistent ways, that that you help us understand ourselves by looking at the stories of others. God, thank you that the journey that you've invited us to is not a journey of self-discovery, but of God-discovery that we're not called to to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to to put ourselves together in a way that would please you. We're called to let you pour into us, to trust you, to remember what you have done for us, to reflect and to listen to your voice. God, I thank you for speaking. God, I thank you for your invitation for us to to step into your story, to, to be part of what you're doing. God, give us wisdom and give us courage. And God, thank you for connection and thank you for community. Amen.